0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week I talked to you about the seven-day week and that mankind is not the author of the seven-day week. That The seven-day week is a reflection of God's brilliance. And though God worked for six days and rested on the seventh, Sabbath was the first full day for man. We were created on the sixth day and then our first full day was a day of rest. And what that tells me church is that before I can even catch my first breath God has already worked it out for me God always invites us to rest first and then work later And we have a tendency to get that so backwards we, we feel like we need to work before we can rest and God says no you rest first Let me work for you and then you work You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. You shouldn't have to make time for it It should come before anything else And on the Sabbath, we get to trade our troubles for peace. In John 14 and 27, Jesus says, My peace I give to you. His peace, that perfect peace. He says, My peace I give to you. And if you will learn to rest in peace, you will eventually, uh, if, if you will rest in peace, or eventually you're going to rest in pieces. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments as part of what we know as the law. It's the Constitution for the, the, the Jewish people. And those 10 Commandments, there's, there's some of them that, that you know, we would not dare break. I mean, think about it, thou shalt not kill. That's a commandment that, that we know we cannot break that, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. These are commandments that we know we cannot break But one of those Ten Commandments was to keep the Sabbath day holy and resting from work on that day. Why is it that we put all of the other commandments on such a high pedestal, but yet often we're willing to break that one? In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3, The Bible says, so God blessed the seventh day, and, and listen to this, and made it holy. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So understand, church, that God is the one that made the Sabbath holy. We don't make the Sabbath holy. God makes the Sabbath holy. And when God makes something holy, that means that it is set aside for a special purpose, Anytime God calls something holy and there are a few times in scripture that God declares that something is holy and when God says that it's holy It is always set aside for a special purpose. It is holy unto God The Bible says that God calls the tithe Holy it is set aside for a special purpose the day that some of us start realizing this is the day we're going to experience the blessing from god because he has set aside the tithe as holy therefore we should set aside the tithe as holy because it has a purpose for for funding ministry the bible says that god calls marriage holy marriage is holy that means it it, it means it's set aside for a purpose there is a purpose behind marriage the bible says that sex is holy all the men in the room just went what yeah, I got your attention now, right? The Bible declares that sex is holy. There's a purpose behind it. Procreation, there's a purpose behind it. The Bible says that God's name is holy. To the point to where a, a, a good Jew would not even say the name of God, which is Yahweh. A Jew would not pronounce that name. It was a name that was too holy for them to even speak from their lips. They wouldn't even spell it out using all of the letters. They would abbreviate it. Because God's name is holy. It's set aside for a special purpose. And then the Bible tells us that God says that the Sabbath is holy. That means that the Sabbath is set aside for a special, specific purpose. There's a reason why God wants us to to keep it holy. And that's just it. Exodus 20 and 8, God reminds us in the Ten Commandments. In giving the commandments, he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember what I told you. God made it holy. God has set it aside. Your job is just to keep it holy. God's already made it holy. And if God has made it holy, that means that there's something special that is going to take place when God's people gather together on a Sabbath day and God is there with them. God is going to do something miraculous. Your job is just to keep it holy. Now, eventually, Jewish rabbis got their hands on this commandment. And they created 39 different categories of ways that you can break the Sabbath. Within those 39 topics, those 39 categories, there are subcategories, thus creating hundreds of ways that mankind can break the Sabbath. Man's ability to perform or not perform these activities is what made them look more holy to other people. Recently, I heard a man by the name of Jason, and he was telling the story of him walking his dog late one night. And I don't blame him. A a grown man should not be seen in the daylight walking a teacup poodle. (laughs) I would walk my dog at night too, says the guy who has a miniature Dotson. But it's not about me. This is about, about Jason. So Jason is walking his dog one night, and he gets to the end of the cul de sac there on his street. And as he looks up, there's a man coming out of a house that he did not recognize, and this man had had a full beard, and he's walking towards Jason, and and, and as Jason was telling this story, he said, that as the guy's walking up, he said, are you Jewish? And Jason said, no, I'm a Christian. And he said, good. Can you help me? He said, I'll try. He said, what can I do for you? He says, I need someone to come inside and open a refrigerator for me and my wife. See, here's what happened. They went grocery shopping late on a Friday evening, he and his wife, it, they, are, they have rented an, an Airbnb. It's not even their house. They went grocery shopping, lost track of time. They get back to the house, and they have all the groceries sitting on the counter when they realize it is Sabbath, and they are Orthodox Jews, and so they're, they're standing there looking at the groceries, realizing we can't open the refrigerator. Now, here's what you don't understand. One of those 39 categories involved starting a fire and producing light. This is what the ancient rabbis, they said, well, you, you can't start a fire and produce a light. And so as times have changed and technology has changed, obviously we know that now you can just flip a light switch and the light bulb comes on. Well, that is breaking Sabbath. A good Orthodox Jew will actually turn lights on throughout their house that they want on for the next 24 hours. They will do this before sundown on Friday. Those lights will stay on all through the next day until sundown on Saturday because they know if they flip on a light switch to them, it is breaking Sabbath and they can't do that. And so they will just leave the lights on. And so this man... Asked Jason to come into his house and and said, you know, I, I need you to open the refrigerator You know why you couldn't open his refrigerator, right? Because what happens when you open the refrigerator? The light comes on and he would be breaking Sabbath So he invites this total stranger into his airbnb to open the refrigerator just so he and his wife can put groceries away This is one of those man-made rules That is not found in the bible And I'm not here to to bash any religious group. Most religions, even Christianity, we've got our man-made rules that we expect people to live by. Listen, I've been in this thing long enough to realize that I've got some serious convictions in my life, strong, powerful convictions that I know that I must live by. But I also know, unless I have Scripture to back it up, that I cannot project those convictions onto any other life that what might become a conviction for me may not be a conviction for someone else or maybe they need that time with God in order for him to create that conviction in their life. But you have to be careful because if, if not, you will create man-made rules even in our Christian atmosphere. And we must be careful with this. And the religious leaders during the time of Christ's ministry, they knew the rules of the Sabbath, but they did not know who ruled the Sabbath. And that's a problem. When you've created all these rules on how to keep Sabbath, but you don't really know the heart of God behind the Sabbath, they did not understand God's heart. God just wanted man to take a day off and rest. God knew that it was best for our, our physical, mental, and spiritual well being. God knew that. And so he did not intend for us to put so much thought into it that it becomes work not to work. And that's what happens if you're not careful. We, we adapt to this legalistic approach and it becomes work not to work. Sabbath church is not about rules. Sabbath is and always will be about relationship. First of all, my relationship with God. It's here, right here in this moment. That we get to reconnect with God after a week long of, 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 of trials and struggles and hardships. Things didn't go the way that we thought that it would. And today, right here in this moment, we get to reconnect with the creator of the universe, working on that relationship with God. We get to reconnect with family on the Sabbath. That's why it's so important for families to enjoy a meal together on Sabbath, to reconnect with one another. We get to reconnect with with friends, specifically friends that 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 are part of the family of God. This is that moment that we get to do that. And it's why it's a core value here, dependence. It's one of the four D's of destiny because we believe in relationships and Sabbath is all about relationships. Many times you have probably heard me preach on the significance of numbers in the Bible. It's usually not a coincidence when God uses a specific number. If there's a number listed there in the scripture, there's a reason why. Take for instance the number three throughout scripture The number three represents perfection. We know that we have the Godhead Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bringing perfection. Jesus Christ was in the grave for three days showing his perfection, uh, his his perfected uh, uh, destroying of death, hell, and the grave. He has total dominion over that showing his perfected dominance. We know that the number 40 represents testing through hardship and trial. For 40 years, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. For 40 days, Jesus fasted in the wilderness. The number 10 gives us testing through lawful responsibility. It's why we have 10 commandments. It's why God says the tithe, a tenth. That's what tithe means. A tenth belongs to me. It is testing through lawful responsibility. The number six symbolizes man and it symbolizes human weakness because our number will always be short of God's perfected number. And the number seven is God's perfect number of complete, completeness. So wherever you see the number seven, you, you can know that there is perfection there. There's completeness there. So it should be of no surprise that Jesus Christ performed seven miracles on the Sabbath. There are seven miracles recorded in scripture that Jesus performed on the Sabbath in a a highly religious atmosphere that frowned upon anything like that. This solidifies what Jesus stated in Matthew 12 and 8 when he said that he was Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is Lord of this day. He is Lord of this moment. He is Lord of the mindset that we must develop. And when you get this in your spirit, you will start relying on Jesus Christ more than you rely on anything else. And seven times the Bible tells us that Jesus, God's son, healed people's lives on the Sabbath. That's why I know, that's why I believe that today some of you are going to be healed. And today I want us to look at one of those Sabbath healings and what it means to us in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, I want to read verses 2 through 18. John chapter 5. Verses 2 through 18. And it reads like this. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, "My Father is working unto now and I am working." This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Man, they hated Jesus because of those two things. First of all, he he claimed to be deity. He was claiming to be the son of God, that the creator of the universe was his father and he's claiming to to be a part of that. So he's claiming to be God. And then he's breaking the Sabbath and and, and this was such a huge no-no. They they did not want that to happen. And so they wanted to hold everyone underneath their thumb. They wanted to hold everyone accountable to their rules and, and they did not want anyone breaking the Sabbath because they were such good rule keepers. And they wanted everyone else to keep the same rules. There's so much to unpack from these verses. Let me begin by bringing your attention to where this, this crippled man is at and who he is surrounded by. First of all, he's at the pool of Bethesda. When you break that word Bethesda down, bet means house. And in both the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic, Hezda has two possible meanings. One being mercy and the other one being shame. Now it doesn't feel like those two words could get any farther apart from each other. Mercy and shame. They just don't feel like they're connected at all. It's kind of like homographs in our language. They're spelled the same, but they have different meaning. Like we can we can bow. We can lower ourselves and bow. Or you have the bow of a boat, front of a boat. This morning. Jake Meacham was over here slapping the bass. Sounded good, Jake, man. I was loving that. So you have the bass, the bass guitar. But then you also have a bass. Spelled the same, but two completely different things. It feels like we're in a desert today, right? It's hot in here. Spelled the same. As soon as this service ends, we're going to desert this room. This dual meaning was most likely intentional in naming the pool of Bethesda. Mandy and I have been there and it's amazing that they've excavated down and you can see the columns where these colonnades would have, would have sat upon and this pool was covered by these five roof colonnades and, and there was a, 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 this was a place of what some people considered disgrace because This was a work-based society, and what I mean by that is anything that good that happened in your life, any blessing that happened in your life is because you were pleasing God. At least that's what they thought. If anything good happens to you, God is pleased with you, and and, and so it's work-based. But because it's work-based, if anything negative happens to your life, if anyone is sick in your family, then it's probably because of sin in your life or sin in someone in your family, sin in their life. And so, therefore, you are a disgrace in society's eyes. But this pool was also a place of mercy due to the number of miracles that had been reported. People believed in the superstitions that were birthed there. You see, according to legend, and the reason why all the invalid people were around the pool, was because according to legend, an angel would come down that they could not see, but yet the angel would come down and stir the waters. And so when they would see movement in the waters the legend was the first person the first sick person laying around that pool The first one that's fast enough to get into the water first then that person will be healed and that's what everyone was there for It had become a custom to come and lay around the pool of bethesda Hoping to be the first one in the pool if the angel came and stirred up the waters but on this day Jesus bypassed superstition and he drained the tub of holy water and he told a man Get up pick up your mat and walk I believe today church that Christ is looking at you as he walks by this service right now Visiting us on this Sabbath and he says get up pick up your mat and walk I believe he is bringing healing to your life You might be ashamed or maybe you should be ashamed but God is ready to extend mercy into your life Which leads me to the people that are gathered there. The Bible says that there were the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. There were some needy people at the city pool on this day. And in this situation, it was every man for himself. It's not like another sick person is going to help another sick person into the pool ahead of him if the angel comes and stirs the waters. No, it's every man for himself. There's probably people pushing, knocking people over, just trying to get to the water because it is every man for himself. But, but here's what's interesting to me is that you've got all of these sick people, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, all of these people all gathered around one pool. Why? Because misery loves company. Misery loves company. Oh, I've seen this happen way too many times. Have you ever noticed how unhappy, disgruntled people like to hang out with unhappy, disgruntled people? We we like to find someone who's going through something that we're going through. Misery loves company. We want to go through this together. What you need to do is you need to go find someone that's already been through it and they've got a testimony of how God brought them out of it and you need to hang out with that person, camp out in their yard for a while. Let that be the person that you attach yourself to because you want to live through their testimony. You want God to do in your life what he did in their life. But no, misery loves company. We want to be around the people that are struggling just like we are. Listen to me. If you're unhappy and disgruntled, find someone that is happy and gruntled and stay close to them what you need to do but this this isn't about the blind crippled or paralyzed because you don't have to be blind to be burdened you you don't have to be crippled to complain and you certainly don't have to be paralyzed to be pathetic oh it's quiet some of the happiest people i know on this planet are blind and crippled on the contrary Some of the most miserable people that I know can see and they can walk, but they have no vision or direction for their journey. I see it way too often. But think about this. There is the fact that there's no one there that can put him in the pool to be healed. Even if a well person, a healthy person is walking by, it's the Sabbath. In a highly religious society, it's the Sabbath. And it was against the rules for you to carry anything, much less another person. You couldn't lift that person, carry that person, help them over to the pool. And so this man has little to no hope, and he is simply there for the miserable company. That's the only reason he is showing up every day. I don't even think that he he even believes that he can be healed at this moment. 38 years he's been struggling with this. But Jesus says something to this guy to start off the conversation that has often troubled me because it's a strange question, but it made him face one of life's most important decisions. And he asked him this question Do you want to be healed? Well, let me ask you something for those of you that are struggling right now, physically, mentally, spiritually, wherever you're at, do you want to be healed? Because if you're not careful, it will become your identity. Whatever you're struggling with, if you're not careful, it will become who you are. Your mishap will become your identity. Your problems will become your personality. But understand this, you are not the sum of your mishaps. Quit letting the past dictate your future. God wants to do something new in your life, but you've got to be willing to to, to, uh, uh, disattach from the past and move forward in God in the future. But, but, but know this, what this man was doing was not working. What he was doing was not working. He was trying under his own ability and power to find healing. So what was he doing? He was clawing and crawling, trying to, to make things right. This church is what the Bible refers to as self-righteousness. It's a mindset that you can make it right by your own abilities. And there's two, two sides to this coin, and neither, neither one are right. That I can make my life right if I'll do the right things. Does this not describe the average American? Th- this is what we live by. We are consumed with, if it is to be, it is up to me. No, no. Let me tell you something about my life. I am where I am today because of the grace of God. Not because of anything that I have done. I am who I am today. The success that I have on on, on my life is simply because God has has given it to me. I know that my life is blessed by my maker and that it has absolutely nothing to do with me. And there are two groups of self-righteous people in this story. The first group is, is the religious pious. Projecting onto others their convictions and beliefs, believing that they're better than others. Be careful with that. Be careful trying to project your convictions on someone else because you'll start thinking that you're better than someone else. You know what troubles me with this story is that these these legalistic religious people, they were more concerned that this man was breaking the Sabbath than they were with celebrating the chains of bondage that were falling off of his life. Does that not trouble you? They are so concerned that this man... Has, has, has broke a rule about Sabbath that they don't even realize that the man is walking. A man that has been crippled for 38 years. He has laid on a mat for 38 years. And what they're concerned with is why are you carrying the mat on a Sabbath? God, open our eyes. You better become less interested in what they're not doing and start following what they are doing. We get so concerned with, they don't do it the way I do it. Look at me, how great I am of a person, but they don't do it the way that I do it. Why don't you celebrate what God has already done in their life? Because thank God, they're not who they used to be. We need to to learn to start celebrating that. And and understand this, this this is simple business knowledge here. What's celebrated is duplicated. You start celebrating what God has done in their life, watch what they will continue to allow God to do in their life. But we get so caught up in it. Why are you carrying the mat on a Sabbath? Why don't we celebrate that you're walking on a Sabbath? Oh, for some of you, I just thank God that you walked in here today after the night you had last night. I'm gonna celebrate that with you. And understand that that not everybody, everybody, they're not on the same page. We're on the same journey, but man, we're in a different section of the map. And I wanna do whatever I can to help you get there but just because I may be farther along in the journey doesn't make me better than you. It just means that, that, that we need to pull each other up and we need to help each other along the way and we need to celebrate when somebody does get it right. God deliver us from self-righteousness. But there's another self-righteous person or, or group of people in this, in this story The Bible calls them the invalid. They're the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. It's kind of like this statue of the self-made man. Some people will spend their whole life trying to make themselves into something more, never realizing that if they'll turn it over to God, what God could make out of them. You were already made in the image of God. What more do you want? My first two years in full-time ministry was in Live Oak, Florida. In 1997, I became a full-time youth pastor. Mandy was pregnant with the twins just three months into me landing this, this dream job of being a youth pastor. She gave birth to our twins. So we're three months into it. Mandy cannot go to work she will be working just to send them to daycare. That's all she would be paying for out of, out of her paycheck. And so she's gonna stay home. I'm the only one bringing home any, any salary at all, any, any money, any income. And I was making, get this, and this is after one year of being on the job, after a raise, I was making $19,400 a year full time. $19,400 a year. Needless to say, times were tough around the McKinley household, but I was in ministry. And God was blessing what we were doing, and and though we didn't have much, I knew God had called me into ministry, and now I was able to fulfill that call in my life, but man, times were tough. For two years, we struggled financially, and then I got the phone call, and the opportunity came to take a position at a prestigious church in Tampa that was three times the size of the church that we were at. And so, I took that position. We moved to Tampa. And right off the bat, I was making over double, more than double of what they were paying me in Live Oak. And it seemed like we've made the big time. I remember we moved into an apartment, a gated apartment complex, really nice. As a matter of fact, the, the New York Yankees would stay there during spring training. My mother-in-law walked right by Derek Jeter one day in the clubhouse at this apartment complex and didn't even know who he was. Didn't get his autograph, didn't get a picture, just he walked right on by her. Really nice place that, that we could not have afforded just, just weeks earlier. Now I'm making more money. I remember just a week or two into it, Mandy, I remember that we, we went shopping at Citrus Park Mall because now we had a little bit of money. We had struggled for two years. We didn't buy new clothes. So we went on a shopping spree and we, we both got new clothes. I got me some new shoes. I've been wearing the old shoes out. I got me some new shoes. I love shoes. I got me some new shoes yesterday on a women's shopping trip. <laughs> I did. Somebody's gotta drive the bus. Why not be me? <laughs> got me some new shoes. We were we were looking sharp. I remember one day I called Mandy from the office and I said, Hey, we've got money. I said, Let's don't eat another ninety nine cent party pizza tonight. You remember those pizzas that they just got the little square pepperonis? I didn't know they grew pepperoni square, but they who am I kidding? We still eat those around my house. But, but they were necessity at one time. I told Mandy, I said, get dressed, look sharp, get the kids ready. We're going out for pizza tonight. And we went to Lenny and Vinny's and we ordered the biggest pizza and we picked out, we had enough to take home. Man, Lenny and Vinny's, that was some good pizza. We had money at least more money than what we used to have we didn't have to to live paycheck to paycheck anymore we were we were now surviving and you would think that with that 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 life would just be easier but but let me tell you life got harder you see in live oak in ministry everything we put our hand to it turned to gold started with 12 kids before we left, we were averaging 80-something teenagers every week. God blessed us. I'm at a church three times, or, or, yeah, three times larger than the other church, and, and I'm there, and we're running like 30 kids and youth, and, and I'm trying everything I know to do, and it's not growing. For the first two years, it was not growing. It, it wasn't working. And when that happens, I become very frustrated because a, a, a man is made to succeed. And, 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 and when we are task-driven as God created us and we're not succeeding, man, you will find yourself in a depression if you're not careful. And, and I was finding myself there. I, I, I remember pulling into a, to a McDonald's on I-4 and just sitting in the parking lot and just crying and just saying, God, why did you bring me here? Because nothing is working. And I was ready to walk away from ministry, to quit it all. During that time, my marriage was falling apart for two years, two years. We seemed happy. Moved to Tampa and we're making more money. And all the time and effort that I'm putting into it and all the hours I'm putting into the office, my marriage was falling apart. My family was struggling. It looked like a better situation, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And it wasn't until I learned how to make him Lord of the Sabbath of my life that that peace came over me. And when that happened, my marriage began to change. My ministry began to change. Last week, Jerry Hurt, one of our retired ministers, he was in first service this morning. Last last week, he came up to me over here. He was telling me bye. He asked me this question. He said, Pastor, who was more satisfied, a man with 10 kids or a man with $10 million dollars? The answer, a man with 10 kids because he doesn't want any more. <laughs> you can work your fingers to the bones. You can call your way to the goals of life if you want to, but until you let Jesus be the Lord of the Sabbath, you will never experience his peace. Peace. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus If you are anything like me, I need my heart guarded I need my mind guarded because I so easily fall back into that trap of I am the reason why it fails or it succeeds sabbath allows me the opportunity to realize and to regroup and to to know that my steps are ordered by the lord That he is the one that makes the plans for my life Oh, I may work six days like it depends on me But on the seventh day In this moment, in this service, in this setting, I realize that I've got a God that's fighting for me, that he cares more about my cares and concerns than I do. And it's hard for me to imagine that, but it's here where I get to remember that. Let's remember the Sabbath. It's our job to keep it holy. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.